Hello and welcome to Finding Truth Matters with Dr. Andrew Corbett. We're pleased to have you join us for the program. Don't allow the soul to drift away from God and His life-giving Word. Don't allow it to happen. Drifting away from the main deal. The Jewish people did a bit of that exiled in Babylon. They stopped paying attention to God's Word and the message they got from God was not what they wanted to hear. The word curse is not one that you want used in your general direction, is it? Let's join Dr. Corbett now for This Curse Shall Be Used By All. And as we look at this section today, we're looking at, I guess, what some would consider to be some of the hardest portions in Scripture. And I hope to show you that we can take great delight from these portions of Scripture. Jeremiah 29, and we are starting verse 15. We're going to go down to verse 23. This comes on the heels of probably what is the most famous portion in Jeremiah. It's certainly the most famous if you're in the fridge magnet industry. And that is for I know the plans I have for you, the plans for peace. And that's Jeremiah 29, 11, plans, to, uh, plans for your welfare, not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. And we saw that that immediately applied to Judah. Uh, It's not something that we can lay hold of today necessarily, although God may speak it into your life, and and if so, rejoice. But the plan and the will of God for every believer is not necessarily plans of prosperity. There there have been some, some really confused teaching that has gone on that says if you're not prospering, you're not being blessed of God, or you're not even in the will of God. And I've got to tell you, whoever said that just has simply has not read their Bible. Uh, and, I, and I don't mean that as a throwaway line. I, I, I literally mean that, that we have some great people in Scripture who loved God with a passion, walked exactly in the middle of God's will for them, and yet they encountered difficulty, struggle, and heartache. So we're at this section where Jeremiah has told the people, God knows, God has plans for you, for I know the plans I have for you, plans for your peace, your welfare, plans not for evil, plans to give you a future and a hope. And the context of that is that at that time, it just did not look like God had any such plan. They were being surrounded by a foreign nation. Their best people had already been taken away by this country that come in, invaded, just took away the cream of the crop. Their food supplies were diminishing. Their water supplies were being muddied. It was not looking anything like Jeremiah 29, 11. Now, I know it makes a nice fridge magnet. It makes a lovely wall plaque. And we can look at it and go, oh. But at the time when Jeremiah said that, it would have outraged the people. Because it just totally did not look like God did have any such plan. So you need to put that in a little bit of context. And might we say for the next few years, next six years or so, It went from bad to worse for these people. Bad to worse. Now let's pick it up. This section, this curse shall be used by all. So you can tell right now from the title of this message, it's not a happy joy message. And I doubt that I'm going to have many people go, that was so uplifting, Pastor. But let's see how we go. Because I hope that I might surprise you. As we go through this section, we're in verse 15. We're going to read from verse 15 down to verse 23. Because you have said the Lord has raised up prophets for us in Babylon, 
Thus says the Lord concerning the king who sits on the throne of David and concerning all the people who dwell in this city, your kinsmen who did not go out with you into exile. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Behold, I am sending on them sword, famine and pestilence, and I will make them like vile figs that are so rotten they cannot be eaten. Uh, Verse 18, I will pursue them with sword, famine and pestilence and will make them a horror to all the kingdoms of the earth to be a curse, a terror, a hissing and a reproach among all the nations where I have driven them. Verse 19, because they did not pay attention to my words, declares the Lord, that I persistently sent to you by my servants, the prophets, but you would not listen, declares the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord, all you exiles whom I sent away from Jerusalem to Babylon. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, concerning Ahab, son of Keliah, and Zedekiah, the son of Messiah, who are prophesying a lie to you in my name. Behold, I will deliver them into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and he shall strike them down before your eyes. Because of them, this curse shall be used by all. There's the title of the message. By all the exiles from Judah in Babylon. The Lord make you like Zedekiah and Ahab, whom the king of Babylon roasted in the fire. Oh, man. Verse 23. Because they have done an outrageous thing in Israel, they have committed adultery with their neighbor's wives. They have spoken in my name lying words that I did not command them. I am the one who knows I am witness, declares the Lord. Wow. Wow. That's got to be one of the heaviest passages in the Bible. I mean, how many times can you use the expression sword, famine and pestilence? That is a heavy passage. Now, what do we do as Christians when we read that? Do we go, I'll just skip over this bit? I don't think you should. I think we need to go, whoa, whoa, whoa. Why, Why is God so ticked? What's going on here that God is going, sword, famine and pestilence are coming your way? And what's this about two blokes getting roasted in the fire? What's all that about? How's that a reflection of a good, loving, kind God? Good questions, I reckon. So let's paint a bit of a picture here. We've got these exiles that have been taken into exile into Babylon uh, from Judah to over to Babylon. The cream of the crop are over there. Jeremiah has just declared in the first part of chapter 29 that this exile into Babylon is going to last 70 years. There were prophets in Jerusalem that said it won't last any more than two. And there were other prophets, and we have their names, which is interesting, that God names people, who were saying it's probably even going to be less than two years. So we have the opening verse here, verse 15, where it says, because you have prophets in Babylon who are prophesying lies, I need to tell you this. And we've just read this section. What were the lies they were saying? Well, they were saying things like this. Jerusalem will never be destroyed because the temple's here. We have the temple of the Lord. That's where God lives. He lives there. There's no way Jerusalem's going to be destroyed because the temple's here. That was, the, that was the first thing I was saying. We've already seen that earlier in the account of Jeremiah. What else were they saying? They were saying things like this. 
Judah will never be overrun because God promised King David that he would never lack a man to sit on the throne. That's what they were saying. Therefore, there will always be a throne and there will always be a descendant of David sitting on the throne. That's what they were saying. The exile won't last long. Jerusalem will never be destroyed. The kingdom of Judah, the people of Judah will never be wiped out. There will always be a king seated on a throne. We've, we've read some of that kind of, you read between the lines, Jeremiah's addressed each of those issues in this section. So here I am, I'm Jeremiah, I'm saying to you, because you have departed from God, God is going to destroy this city, this temple's going to be destroyed, the walls are going to be destroyed, this city's going to be overrun, and before it happens there will be famine so severe, you'll end up eating your children. Now let's take up the offering. There's preacher exhibit A, Jeremiah. On the other hand, you have these guys over here, Exhibit B, going, don't listen to Jeremiah. He's such a party pooper. (laughs) He's always negative, negative, negative. It's about time we, the people of God, got positive. Let's be positive and confess positive and believe positive. Let's declare that Jerusalem will never be destroyed. Let's declare that those in exile will come home very soon. Come on, together let's declare it. Come on, now let's take up the offering. And if you put an offering, I guarantee you, Jerusalem will never be destroyed. The exiles will come home sooner than you think. And you'll have wonderful homes. Exhibit A, exhibit B. Because that's kind of putting it in a modern day analogy. So here's my point. And you're probably not going to like me for this point. Praise, but you don't have to, because you're commanded to love me. So, <laughs> good preaching is not always preaching you enjoy hearing. It's like the guy, and I've, I've said this many times, like the guy who, who greeted the pastor on the way out, the pastor's at the door, and he, he was just not happy with what the pastor shared. It just challenged him on every front. And he said to the pastor, I did not enjoy I did not enjoy it one little bit. In fact, pastor, I was deeply offended. You hurt me this morning. You really hurt me. And the pastor apologized. said, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to hurt you. I meant to kill you. <laughs> because good preaching will put certain things to death. And if you want to follow Christ, you've got to take up your cross and follow him. You've got to die. Your agenda, leave it at the door. Pick up your cross. Follow Christ. Doesn't sell a lot of books. Trust me. I know. (laughs) So, good preaching is not always the preaching you enjoy hearing. Just consider that. Because I hear too many people talk about how wonderful such and such a preacher is. Because he's got such a lovely smile. And he's got thousands of people in his church. So... Can you, you, you can't read a passage like that and go, man, God doesn't normally talk that way. Have you noticed that? that what we just read, that is not cover-to-cover Bible stuff, is it? There's not famine, sword and pestilence all through the Bible. It's a lot in Jeremiah, have you noticed? But not much else. There's not much of the Bible that, that talks in that tone. So what is going on? Well, there's two things going on here. I want you to notice this. Whenever, 
God really cares for people, he sends a prophet. Whenever it gets really dark, spiritually dark, God sends a prophet. He, he actually says that in here. You know, I, I, I sent you prophets rising early in the morning is the biblical expression. I sent them, I sent, I sent them, that, that you could come back. Think about this. When Israel, after King Solomon, Israel had a, a civil war and the, top, the north split from the south and then eventually the north did not worship God, they walked away from God and they were taken away to Assyria up here in Iran. Here we are now, a hundred years later, and we're in this bit here. This bit's gone. The dispersed tribes of Israel, gone. These guys down here, Judah and Benjamin and a whole bunch of Levites, and some of these guys have kind of peppered in here a bit as well. But this is now Judah. Here they are. God cares deeply for these guys because of his promise to King David. These guys dispersed and they if you read through second kings you'll find there was there wasn't many prophets operating up here not many at all there were some but not many but down here in judah there was prophet after prophet after prophet speaking to kings speaking to kings speaking to kings except one king there was only one king in judah one king that did not have a prophet speaking in his ear only one king. And that was King Solomon. And I want you to reflect. How did his life turn out? The answer, not great. When you neglect the word of God, you drift from God. And Solomon is the classic example of that. Solomon, the only king of Judah that did not have a prophet speaking to his life. So what is the undergirding reason for God's heartache? God, God refers to it in this passage here. God is speaking this through Jeremiah. And he says, I'm going to send you the kingdoms of the nation, but not the way I intended. The way I intended is that you would declare who I am to the nations. That you are supposed to tell the world what it looks like. To know me. And you've told the world that I'm not worth it. You've told the world that my commands can be trivialized. You've told the world that those symbols, those pictures, those ceremonies I gave you, and we read one this morning earlier in our service, the covenant of marriage is one that you can just treat flippantly and trivialize it when it was always meant to convey my relationship with you. And you've trashed it. You've committed adultery. You've committed all kinds of sexual sin. And that's not what I invented sexuality for. God is ticked. Because these people have told the world a lie about him. He's heartbroken. He is heartbroken. What's happened here? We read... In this section that they had not given heed to the word. I persistently sent you my prophets, but you would not listen. Verse 19. God's people had drifted away from the truth. 
What does a drift look like? A drift is not a sharp turn. A drift is just slowly, just slowly. A little compromise today, another one tomorrow, another one tomorrow. I I constantly find myself having to calibrate my drift back to true north. The other week, I was at a a checkout, I think it was the local Woolworths checkout, and I bought something and the checkout person gave me the change and and I, I said... You've given me too much. Oh, I have too. You know, well, you know, there's this little drifting thought that goes through my head. Oh, cool. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> and I could have justified that little drift. Woolworths, they make billions, trillions of dollars every month. I could, they won't miss this. And what if we got in the car and gone, oh, cool, Ooh, we, got what? we got away with that one. Drift. You see, God had called Judah to declare the truth about him to the nations. To declare the truth about him to the nations. And they hadn't. How were they to do it? They were to declare their love for God to the nations by how they lived. What was supposed to happen when a king of Judah saw a naked woman bathing on a rooftop in front of the king's window? And I know David gets slammed for this, but I'm thinking, what was Bathsheba thinking? Here's David and Bathsheba. What David was supposed to do was to close the window. That's what you're supposed to do. Today it's not windows we've got to close. It's TVs and computer screens. It's emails we should never open in the first place. Hello? Because we're supposed to declare God's love by not just what we say, but by how we live. We're supposed to show the world this is what it's like To love God. Because God's new covenant people, that's us, the church, are meant to declare the love of God, not just to our family, but we should, but to the nations. The nations are supposed to see God in us. That's what's supposed to happen. But here's Judah. They They were given the choice to worship the God of the universe or to... And to declare that love of God to the nations. But in fact, they'd forsaken the God of the universe and begun to worship the gods of the nations. Molech, Ashtaroth, who demanded that they take little children and throw them in a furnace as an offering so that they might be blessed with increased fertility. And you wonder why God was ticked? You wonder? Wonder no more. Today we have the gods of the nations putting pressure on us, don't we? I was was in a meeting with some Christian leaders this week and they said, you know, we, we may have to change our position on this because culture 
has just moved so far in this direction. And I, I, I just said, hey, just hang on a minute. The day we start shaping what we will believe and what we won't believe about God and the Bible by what the world tells us is okay is a dangerous day. Don't be shaped by the world. Judah was. And what had happened was they had drifted away. What can happen to the new covenant believer, us today? Little compromises set in. We put our head on the pillow without reading the word for that day. And initially we apologised to God. I'm sorry, God, I'm so tired I didn't get to it. I'll get to twice amount tomorrow. I'll pick it up tomorrow. Tomorrow comes. I'm sorry, God, I'll, I'll, I'll get to it. The next day comes, we don't even say sorry. The drift has happened. Don't allow your soul to drift away from God and his life-giving word. Don't allow it to happen. Notice the last thing in this section. It, it says in verse 23... Because they've done an, out, uh, an outrageous thing. What does God call outrageous? You know what God calls outrageous? Evening commercial television calls ratings. God calls adultery with your neighbour's wives outrageous. Women's Day calls it front covers. We are living in a culture that is totally, totally so far removed from God's will that when somebody declares God's will, it sounds like bigotry. It sounds like hate speech. It sounds like you belong in the 19th century. This kind of stuff is so outdated, really. Wow. So let's look at this and we'll bring this to a close. The world will tell you that sexuality is just a physical act. It's just a, you know, you just, you just meet from the top down. You just, there's nothing spiritual about you. You're just a bunch and collection of atoms. Nothing special about anything to do with you. And sexuality is just two bits of meat slapping together. No, it's not. No, it's not. Sexuality is fundamentally spiritual. And the world lies <laughs> to our young people. There's something not right here with what's happening to the joy, the wonder, the beauty, the glory of sexuality when it's treated like this. So let's bring this to a close. An application for today. Jeremiah's up against these what I call feel-good prophets. <laughs> Don't listen to Jeremiah. He's such a party poop. He's always negative. We're positive. I love being positive. But what if God is warning something that sounds negative? What do we do? <laughs> Before you swallow those feel-good preachers' messages, compare it with Scripture. I heard one preacher say, and they can sound very convincing, he's quoting, I think it's 2 Corinthians 4, that we are to speak those things which are not as if they were because we can create our own reality by the words we use. You may have heard that. 
And I go to 2 Corinthians 4, and it doesn't say that. It actually says this. God, the creator of the universe, spoke the universe into existence. He spoke those things which are not as if they were. So you know who speaks creatively? God does. And guess what? You're not he. I know you're all amening on the inside. But we really need to compare those kind of statements with Scripture, don't we? Come on. Get a little bit excited. <laughs> all right. Let me, let me wrap this up with this New Testament verse. This is the New Testament application. As I look at this passage, I see a nation that's been squeezed, it's been lured, it's drifted. And I remember the New Testament says something about this. Romans chapter 12 Romans chapter 12, verse 1, Therefore present your bodies as a living sacrifice to God, which is a reasonable act of spiritual worship. Verse 2, here it is. Do not be conformed to this world, but be, love this word, transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Don't be conformed to the world. We have so many time-saving devices, most of us are left wondering what on earth we should do with our time. And I know that because most of us are on Facebook. That's meant to be a direct link to the you don't know what to do with your time. I see so much rubbish on Facebook. The little time that I'm on there, I think, haven't these people got anything to do? <laughs> Haven't they got something constructive to do? We've got so much time now, we're allowing so much junk into our system, it's wrecking us. <laughs> oh, I'm going to write that down. That was brilliant. That was great. It's awesome. <laughs> really? Don't be conformed to the world. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. So here's my prayer, and then we're done. God, make this your prayer. God, please forgive me of my sins. And I'm talking me. Lead me and fill me and help me to live for you. I thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross in my place. I want him to be Lord and Savior of my life without compromise. Teach me what I need to know and help me to share with others what I now know. Amen. And I think you'll find that you pray a prayer like that of surrender to God. That it is positive. That life can be filled with joy. You can know peace. You can know God's favour on your life. But it means we give heed to his word. There are consequences when we drift away from the main gig, when we stop paying attention to God's word. We might not like God's response. Dr. Corbett returns next week with Letters That Lie. Podcasts and Finding Truth Matters resources, including tonight's program, This Curse Shall Be Used By All, are available via the website, findingtruthmatters.org, or by contacting us at Lagana Media, PO Box 1143, Lagana, Tasmania 7277. For regular updates and special offers, visit our Facebook page, facebook.com slash findingtruthmatters. 
Dr Corbett is pastor of Lagana Christian Church and president of ICI Theological College Australia. We look forward to joining you again at the same time next week for another Finding Truth Matters.